1: 6870700 On this episode, as you just heard, I just got out of Facebook jail. Well, as of Monday, but I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Obviously, we're going to have thoughts on what happened in Las Vegas, and we're going to talk with Lisa Smiley. All this on this episode of Trend Chat. Stick around. of Trend Chat. I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe. And if you want to connect with us on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, it's all the same name, Trend Chat 24-7. And I write for politichicks.com if you want to read some of my articles. If uh, I'm just thinking about the article I wrote last week, which I posted on my page that is the most shared article article by far so I appreciate everyone that read it and um, liked it but if you want to read that article and others just go to politichicks.com slash author slash Brian and don't forget about the book Can A Clearing Call to Political Activism which is available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon over 300 pages of, I guess Talking about different subjects, whether it's education, healthcare, and I still haven't thought of other subjects to keep <laughs> instead of saying the same ones, but those are the ones uh, education, healthcare, social issues, um, general political issues, and activism. I definitely remember that one because that's where my article that I contributed to the book is in that section talking about becoming a national delegate at the Republican national convention last year. So as I've said plenty of times for get like five copies of it, <laughs> just a random number, but Hey, you know, I think it's worth it. So, I mean, Christmas is coming around the corner. I mean, you can just get five of them and get them to your friends or your enemies someone somebody you don't like, <laughs> and say, maybe this might smarten you up. Give you this um this book on political activism. At- and especially read that one from Brian Bledsoe. Put that in there, too. So, um, so like I said, um, today is Tuesday. We're broadcasting out of Indiana. I have to think about it for a second. But, yeah, we're in Indiana tonight. And we are just, you know, as usual, we're on the road just doing my regular job as opposed, as opposed to you know anything else so just maybe just here cranking up the truck driving down the road I'm not driving right now That's just a sound effect just don't worry I'm not on the road right now but um but yeah so uh, like I said um, I mentioned that we are out of facebook jail and i just thought it was appropriate to play something you know to i guess to commemorate that so (laughs) actually i know sometimes when i guess i don't know what facebook does but they like they block people from even going on their their page like they can't do anything so That wasn't the case for me. I was just restricted to posting groups for some reason. It was weird, but, um, so it wasn't so much like jail as some people put it. It was more like house arrest (laughs) because I was able to post on my page. I just could post anywhere else. So I basically had to, when I posted something, I had to tell people, Hey, please just share this because <laughs> I can't do anything. Cause normally I do it myself. I don't go out just saying, hey you know, trying to tell people to share it. I mean, if they want to great, and just like this show, if you like it, share it. But I don't go on, on and on and trying to tell people to do that. But last week was a special circumstance. So I was like, please, I need someone to help me out this time. <laughs> and, uh, and so I appreciate everyone who did last week. And it was funny it felt like Facebook knew I had a lot to share than usual. Other than the podcast, I had an article that I I haven't written an article in like months. And yet on that week that I write one, I can't even share it past my own page. And then I was a guest on Freedom on Deck on Sunday. And I, I couldn't share that because other than on my page. And all this was last week on top of what was going on on, you know, on the, po- on the podcast. So it was just a strange coincidence that of uh, one of the weeks when I had stuff to, to share more than, you know, most times I couldn't do it. And half of that, I didn't even know what's happening the week before. <laughs> like I didn't know I was be writing that article until like the day, like a couple of days before it was published so but yeah anyway i i just wanted to bring that up just um in case people who who um who actually saw that on my page and so but i'm out now so <laughs> and once again i definitely appreciate everyone who helped out as far as um sharing i actually believe what happened on Facebook actually helped the political article to get shared more than usual. I just, you know, I just, that's what I think is the reason why it was the one of the, the most shared article for me. And, you know, I guess getting um, restricted was a good thing in that sense, as far as the article goes, but, so, enough about me. I, I have uh, some other news to bring up, uh, but I'll bring it up at the end. But uh, before we get, in, get into our thoughts on Las Vegas, let's uh, hear from my friends with the Founding Project.
2: Hello, Trend Chat fans. The Founding Project invites you to experience our latest resource to take civics to citizens, TFP's new website, Visit us at www.thefoundingproject.com. Be a part of the civics movement with The Founding Project. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Join us today.
1: So, I'm pretty sure most people have heard by now what happened in Las Vegas. You had a shooting. A uh, tragedy def- definitely that happened uh, during a uh, country music festival and as of right now we are looking at over 50 dead and over 500 injured and it could rise I, I actually don't know if it- if it has since the last time I looked at it and <clears throat> it's I don't want to use the words as far as talking about how it's the deadliest shooting and all that, and I feel like we are really making too much about that. Cause I agree with uh, with some people who have posted about um that by putting so much on that makes it kind of gives more incentive to for more of these psychos to go out and do this so they can not only get their name out there as far as, you know, to be infamous for committing such a horrendous act, but also, well, maybe I might commit, you know, make history and something like that. So that's, um, definitely not something I want to want to promote. But, um, like I said, we have close to 60 dead and, and like I said, over 500 injured. I mean, we, We're talking about sons and daughters and brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, just families in total disarray right now because of what has happened. And it's it's definitely not something we should get used to. Definitely not. Definitely disagree with the mayor of London, who basically wanted to say that you just have to get used to terrorism, and you know this is a terrorist act. That's that's how I would see it. This is, Um, and yeah, this is not something you should get used to seeing or used to uh, hearing about. But you know. With all that has happened, <clears throat> I posted one of the first posts about this that um, that I put on social media was saying, despite our best hopes, events like well, what happened in Las Vegas will be politicized at a moment's notice. And I said that because a lot of times when we have these, you know, tragedies, we want to say. Let's all come together and let's make sure let's not politicize this. Let's, um, you know, you know, let's all be Americans and whatnot, which is, I agree. But in this environment that we have now that we get our information instantly, we're going to, we're going to take our sides pretty much almost immediately now. And this is not something new either. So just because we're getting our information quickly and people are already making their political opinions, are already making their, their opinions based on their ideology from the get go. It's not something new, really. It's just instead of when you have a, a an event like this happen back in the day. You would talk about it amongst your family in your home and then maybe talk about it to your next door neighbor, somebody that or at the water cooler at your job. That's what you did when we didn't have the Internet. (laughs) Uh, Even, you know, whenever we got this information, we'll have our opinion on it. We always done that. The difference is now we're doing that to our friends across the globe. And at the same time, everyone can see it. It's out there in the public, so we're doing the same thing we always done. It's just everyone can see someone else's opinion from from across the country. So it just—I guess we—I think we we had this sense that we weren't this way before, and that's something I. That's that's not the case. We always were had our opinions on these on these events, and pretty much at the same pace. Don't think about it. Like I said, we just get the information a lot quicker and start making our assessments a lot a lot sooner because we have so much information to go off of. So, so in that status. I, you know, I said, let's pray for the families, pray for everyone that has been affected in Las Vegas. But at the same time, we got to stay vigilant. we got to stay prepared because. I mean, it's not like we can't do both. I feel like if, when I'm making that statement, someone can make it seem like. You can't be compassionate, you can't have sympathy for for the people and also be prepared for for the number of people who are going to be out there wanting to use this for some to promote and advocate for some agenda so in this case we're talking about given that this was a shooting you have the people who want to jump on this and use it for to promote gun control and so when something like this happened yeah, Think of the families and and pray for them. Also be prepared, get ready because the people that want to take advantage of this situation are not going to wait. Actually, they definitely don't want to wait because they want to jump on this as soon as possible. So they can play on people's emotions and to, to maybe have them clouded by cloud their judgment because uh, they're kind of wound up in their emotions to maybe sway them to give away a little bit more of their constitutional rights. <laughs> in this case, this will probably, this will be the second amendment. And also if you, if you are a politician, if you're someone in leadership, I think this is something you definitely should do as far as being prepared I feel like if you are in some sort of leadership, you'd be neg- negligent to not be prepared because as a leader, you need to, you should know that there are people going to try to take advantage of it. And you need to be prepared to know what you need to do and make sure to, in you know, I would say like if in my case, if I was in that position to, guard the constitution and make sure to keep people from trying to use this tragedy to take away people's right to self-defense and by and so by saying that it didn't take no time because you had your you know the usual suspects of celebrities and Democrats out there, you know, unsurprisingly, just trying to use this for gun control. Like I mentioned, you had Jimmy Kimmel out there on his show, um, basically using his emotion to play on other people's emotions to, to advocate for gun control. It, kind of the same way he did in trying to promote Obamacare. Then you also had Alyssa Milano, etc. I mean, The list goes on. Like I said, it's the usual suspects of of celebrities and, you know, uh, know, politicians, Democrats, and just wanting to use this. And another, I guess another post I put on there saying, like, don't let these people, these celebrities, don't let them play on your emotions to to give away your rights. Because that's basically what they're doing. That's what they're looking to do, <laughs> and like I said before, just need to stay vigilant. And kind of goes back to a quote I was just thinking about. Some people say it's Thomas Jefferson. I really don't know, but I just like the quote. And like, and it's been said a different couple of ways. Like the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. I love that quote. It's been said a couple of different ways, like the price of liberty or, they, or it's been flipped around or something like that. But basically that quote, that's like one of my favorite quotes. Um, outside of anything scripture, that's like one of my favorite sayings. <laughs> and um, so. We, you know, I, I obviously I haven't even talked much about the shooter, which I'm probably not going to. But I will say this, you know, I could just imagine what the, I guess, the the reports would be if they had, I guess, some evidence pointing something to where the media narrative would be, uh, I guess, to their liking. But right now, you don't hear much about the shooter. I mean, even for me right now, but even in the media, you're not really hearing much about the shooter. But if they had some other evidence, like, let's say, all of a sudden, you hear on the media say, well, b- b- report, say, <laughs> or people have been have been saying that he's a uh, he's a Trump supporter or. Or he has ties with the Tea Party. Like they, they wouldn't report it because they wouldn't have any evidence. But if there was anything close to that, there, the media would be out there with their reports. Or, or, or even just saying rumors, say. But you're not really hearing much of that now because none of that is pointing that way. Actually, it's pointing the other way. So all of a sudden they, they now they want to make sure we get the facts right now because it's 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 not lining up with their agenda. And you had this CBS executive uh, lawyer, I guess I, I forgot, but um, but she got fired because she basically said she had no sympathy for the people who was shot at the country music festival because in her opinion, country music fans are mainly mostly Republican, which, well, for one, that's really not true. (laughs) Um, just because someone like country music doesn't instantly make them a Republican. There are a lot of left leaning, um, country music fans. Um, you know, Dixie Chicks for one, but, but that's how these liberals tend to look at you know Republicans they just tend to oh West Country Music West must be all Republicans nah, no pretty sure you've probably had a good mixture of different ideologies in that crowd either way she got fired and you know one thing I, sh- I hope people don't think that she was the only one thinking that she was just the only one that had the nerve to make it public. I would say there's a fair amount of people in high places, as you can see with this, you know, with the executive of CBS, you know, making these opinions, having these thoughts and she ain't the only one. She is not the only one. There's plenty of them that, or when they saw that, they they probably giggled or they're like, yep, you're right. That's a lot of them probably said that when they came across her, her post. But they just didn't make their views public. You know, kind of like Jamel Hill, you know, as far as how she felt about President Trump. She ain't the only one who feel, feels that way. A lot of them <laughs> just, you know, keep it hidden. And, um, but... You know, that's that's pretty much all I have on um on this. Also just wanna say that in talking about staying vigilant, I really appreciate people like Antonio Okafor, who is out there in Las Vegas right now and she's out there doing like kind of basically what I'm talking about as far as being there, being in, in the community out there and just standing post getting ready to to show you know everyone that just because of what happened in las vegas during that shooting that doesn't mean we need to turn around and try to take away everyone's rights everyone's right to self-defense you know, their second amendment rights especially you know and I just, you know, definitely want to commend her and others who are out there just going out there now to try to make sure to stand stand firm in this time because there's going to be a lot of people who have um maybe maybe didn't have an opinion about the second amendment and has either went one way or the other on this. I know I heard a story about one of the musicians that was playing said he was a strong second amendment defender and then after that happened now he's for, all for gun control now so you know then you may have other stories going the other way so it it kind of goes back to what i mentioned a couple of maybe a couple of podcasts ago like these a catastrophic event definitely will show what you truly believe when no you know when the goings get really tough And you really you're going to find out, you know, if you're going to stick around or not, (laughs) you know, or if you know if as far as whatever your values are, if you truly believe something, then when when hardship comes, that's when you're going to find out. So. So. We're going to get to our interview with uh, Lisa Smiley now. And but before that. Let's uh, hear another word from our friends at The Founding Project.
2: Hello to fans of Trend Chat and Brian Bledsoe. The Founding Project, an education nonprofit dedicated to civics, invites you to visit our brand-new website. Visit us at thefoundingproject.com. Be a part of the civics movement with The Founding Project. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today.
1: So we got a chance to speak with Lisa Smiley um, recently and came across um, her videos on Facebook. And so a couple of friends were sharing her videos, talking about the pro-life issues and other, other issues as well, which you would hear in the interview and um, reached out to her and got a chance to speak with her and so not going to hold off anymore here's our interview with lisa hello this hello. is trend chat and we are pleased to have blogger and public speaker lisa smiley with us how are you doing
3: i'm doing great thank you brian for having me
1: yeah and i just wanted to say i've came across your videos on facebook because a couple friends of mine liked uh-huh. some of your videos and have shared it on my timeline. I definitely wanted to get you on, cause especially with you talking on pro-life issues and everything. So the first question I want to ask is, give us a little bit on your background and how did you get to this point as far as making um, these videos?
3: Right. So I have a very interesting, diverse background. I was born in China, in communist China, and our family lived there until I was four. And then our family immigrated to New Zealand, and I grew up there until I was 18, and we had this opportunity to come to America. So since the age of 18, I have lived in America, and America has really become my home. And how I got involved in the pro-life movement, so I've always kind of been pro-life, and I did, like, my first speech in high school on the pro-life issue, and I guess since you know, having my son at the age of 23, and we were faced with just this really hard decision. Which, you know, I became pregnant, and then at a 20 week ultrasound, they told us that he had this life threatening heart issue where he was he, that could only see half a heart. And so, you know, through that experience and through having the doctors tell us, hey, abortion is probably your only option if you want to, you know, have a good life and have a life free of burden and worry. You know, that just, like, kind of sparked something in me because I was pro-life and abortion was just off the table for me. So just going through that experience. Like, you know, I can really connect with women who are faced with this issue and especially with arguments on the pro-life issue it's like, hey, I've gone through this and I chose life and, you know, my son was a blessing, not a burden. And, you know, that was that's part of my pro-life uh, testimony, I guess. But, I mean, even before that, I had no idea that, you know, my, my mother actually faced a very, just not like a similar issue, but an issue of life and death for her children because we grew up in... Um, communist China and, you know, in 2016 in October, uh, the Communist Party changed their one-child policy to two-child policy. And that's when I kind of really, you know, I thought about my history and what my mother went through with that. Where, so I come from a family of five girls and one boy, and all of the girls were actually born in communist China and the youngest three, including myself, were born after the one-child policy came into effect, and we survived it. And basically, my parents had the youngest three girls illegally.
1: Wow. Now, as far as that policy, as someone who lived over here myself, I, I just, I guess, tell us a little bit, and I guess in details as far as when it comes to this one-child policy, so basically if if a woman becomes pregnant and if it's, a, I guess, their second child, like it's just an uh, instant abortion?
3: Yes, it's abortion or women are forced to sterilize. And so since 1980, the Communist Party has basically forced women to get abortions or get sterilized so that they only have one child. And China's official health ministry estimates that over three hundred and thirty million children have already been aborted since the policy was instituted so it's it's a pretty horrific and violent policy i mean I mean that's what my parents answered seeing that happen uh, with other families, and we were so fortunate that like my mother was able to hide us and um, have us illegally and that we survived all that.
1: So how long, well, given that you were were well, born illegally, so mm-hmm. what did they do as far as trying to make sure that you weren't found out?
3: Right. So my my mom has shared, like, many stories with us about how they keep us safe from the government. And so, like, when she became pregnant with the, each of the, three youngest girls, she would have to go into hiding for months during her pregnancy. And so when she became pregnant with me, my parents already had three girls, and my mom had to leave uh, my, younger, my older sister with a relative and then keep my older two sisters at home, and then she ran off to the city by herself to stay with another relative. And so when her due date approached, she would travel to another city to give birth to me away from home. So just during that whole time, I mean, she was separated from her husband, from her family, and she was extremely scared and stressed out that she would be caught. But luckily it didn't happen. And just like there were certain times in the year that the government officials would come looking for families like us who broke the law, but but like we have such a family-oriented extended family that just really helped us to keep us safe from the government. And luckily, we lived in the countryside and not in the city where the laws were enforced much more strictly.
1: Well, that definitely was a blessing to have that extended family to help you. Yeah,
3: definitely.
1: I definitely – well, kind of want to go back um, as far as yourself, and you were saying about your son. And so you had the doctor's – basically just actively just advocate for you to have an abortion?
3: Yes, they actually, so when I found out that my son had a condition called hypoplastic with syndrome, which is a deadly congenital heart disease, uh, they actually took my husband aside by himself and told us that, you know, you, you have your whole life to live. You don't need to burden yourself with a lifetime of pain and suffering. And basically they were, kind of advocating abortion as the only option. Mm.
1: And I mean, and we
3: were pro life, so it was it wasn't a really a question for us, but it's just, you know, you never think that you would face a situation like this.
1: Yeah, I'm just think I'm just thinking about as far as doctors not even considering as far as what what they can do as far as keeping the child alive, but is I'm I'm pretty sure there are options out there, but they weren't even concerned with none of that. They were just going straight for you just to just get an abortion. And that's it.
3: Right. And I'm not sure if like all doctors are like that, but in our experience, that was, that's how it was for us. But after we told them, Hey, no, abortion is not an option for us. So we need to figure out what we can do to keep our son alive after he was born. And so our son actually had a series of open-heart surgeries after he was born that kept him alive for seven years. So, And I've met a lot of pro-life doctors. It's just that there are those doctors who are set on abortion, and, you know, they're professionals. And so, you know, they sound like they know what they're doing, but as parents, you know, and as Christian and conservative and pro-life, it's just like a matter of you know, for us, it's not um, it's not an option for us. So
1: now, growing up, did you grow up with the conservative values being taught, or and Christianity, you know, in your household, or or what?
3: So in China, it's con- uh, communist, mm-hmm. and in New Zealand, it's it's a much more of a socialist system. And so I think you know, my parents are very traditional, they're very moral, they're very much family-oriented, but in New Zealand, it's very secular, and so I basically had a very liberal education, and, you know, that's just how society is, it's not like in America there's conservatives and there's liberals, like, in many parts of even the Western world, it's all just liberal, and so just growing up, um, I would say that I was just a liberal by default just because of, you know, being in the public school system. And it wasn't until I moved to America at the age of 18 and I saw how different America was from New Zealand. And that's kind of when I started getting involved in politics and learning more about the conservative conservative movement, because I had experienced, you know, socialism in New Zealand and seemed like the you know, just the, the culture and what kind of people um, you know, the society made. I mean, in, in New Zealand there's a lot of there are a lot of government programs and unemployment benefits and you know, and relying on the government isn't really looked down upon and so there isn't a lot of opportunities or a lot of ambition amongst my friends and then when I moved to America, I could see, wow, America, you know, there's something great and something special about America and that's I guess that's when I really started digging deeper into the politics and into the history of America. And that's kind of when I became involved in the conservative movement.
1: Okay. And I guess in, in hearing your story as far as growing up in China with this with this policy and, and everything that your mother had to go through, so where did it get to where you wanted to get into the pro-life movement?
3: I think, uh, uh, I don't know, something in me when I was in high school kind of just piqued my interest, and that's kind of when I started wanting to get into it, not knowing that I really had a pro-life testimony of my own with my own parents, and and then going through what I went through with my son, Zeke. So it's been a few years, and, you know, especially with um, my son passing away two years ago, it kind of really just stirred something in me to to share my testimony and uh with the recent changes in um in China with changing the one child policy to a two child policy in October two thousand and fifteen that's when I kind of started sharing my story of what our family went through in communist china and uh my stories uh been shared like fifty thousand times or something since then, and so that's kind of really how I got uh, really involved in the pro-life movement, and since then, um, I've spoken on my testimony at various pro-life conferences.
1: Okay. And I noticed from the videos, you talk about other issues as well, not only on pro-life issues, but also on feminism and uh, basically kind of spreading the message throughout the world to Christians and conservatives. And so As far as feminism goes, when I say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is what's been going on with this Women's March. And I just want to (laughs) ask ask your opinion about the Women's March.
3: Well, I think it's interesting how the Women's March kind of advocates this idea that they're for all women and that they're standing up for all women's rights. And they kind of give you this impression that, you know, if you're a woman, then you must be a feminist if you're for equal rights. And then you see what they stand for and the types of issues that are important to them. And it's totally antithetical to conservative women's values. And you see how, you know, they treat the the women in the Trump administration, like Ivanka Trump and CeCe DeVos and Sarah Sanders. And you can see, hey, they're not for all women. They're only for leftists liberal women like Hillary Clinton and so you know for me as a conservative woman, I really don't have much in common with the women's march and what they stand for for abortion up to the time of birth and free health care and free contraceptives and just a lot of values that I don't stand for and so I think we need to as conservatives and as family oriented women, like, we need to
1: expose the Women's March for what it really is. It is funny. It's one thing, whether it is the Women's March or Black Lives Matter, it just seems like you have these very much liberal groups out here basically name something like a Women's March to make it seem like it's Mm -hmm. for women or Black Lives Matter, meaning that it's for black people. But in the end, when you look at their agenda, it's not for women or black people. There is an agenda as far as like a progressive agenda, basically all about that just kind of shrouded in gender or race.
3: Right. They're playing identity politics and then you realize, hey, they're not even for all women or all Blacks. And Yep. And, you know, as conservative, like you can see right through it. I mean, to me, feminism is basically – socialism for liberal women, that's basically what they stand for, but they don't tell you that right off the bat. So, you, you know, like, normal women who aren't really, you know, exposed to a lot of these ideas, they think they they could be feminist or they relate to feminism because all the feminists say that they are is for equality between the sexes or freedom of choice. when in actuality, they're not for that at all. And you can see that with the way that they treat, say, men's rights activists, and when men try to stand up for their rights and fathers' rights, then the feminists totally shut them down. And, you know, we have to expose that, I think.
1: Yeah. You, as a public speaker, going out um, across the country, where are you going? Are you, like, going to college campuses or, or what as far as getting the message out to Christians and conservatives.
3: Right. So next month I'll be speaking to the students at Abilene Christian University about my pro-life uh, story and just sharing, you know, my heart for the pro-life movement. And then I am starting a series on feminism and just exposing a lot of the lives of the feminist movement, you know, as a conservative woman. And hopefully that will really get the message out because I think, you know, before we even talk about abortion or anything like that, you know, it goes back to the feminist movement and how they really turned women against the goodness of motherhood and of children or family. And and so, you know, I'm just really trying to get a big picture of of these issues and kind of go back to the ideas. And so, yeah, I'll be starting that this month, and hopefully uh, next year I'll. Uh, We're planning on doing some kind of documentary, maybe about my pro-life story or about the feminist issue. So that's where I see myself going right now.
1: Okay. Well, you know, we'll be looking forward to to all of that. And let us know where we can find you on social media.
3: Yep. So you can find me at my website at lisasmiley.com. And I am also on YouTube and on Facebook. But if you just go to my website, there are links to
1: all my social media platforms. Okay. Lisa, we definitely appreciate everything you're doing and um thank you for your time and hopefully we get a chance to talk to you again.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on, Brian.
1: Yep, and thanks to Lisa for joining us and once again just you know, LisaSmiley dot com and to check her out on like she said on YouTube and Facebook. So we're coming up on the end of today's episode and normally i don't say who's who's going to be on the next episode because i actually don't know but i can say this time because i know for sure so we will have katie yoder on and actually this is going to be on thursday so it's going to be that two two episodes a week uh, i guess so yeah we will have her on she's a writer with uh, media research center so appreciate everyone listening and Until Thursday, we will chat with you later.
0: 687 0700.
2: If you are thinking about snacking on anything other than tasty cake this summer, you are simply Miss Caken. A melted milkshake, Miss Cake. Crumbly, sticky s'mores? Bigger Miss Cake. Or worst of all, you resort to baking? If it's not Tasty Cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. except no substitutes.